What's going on, everybody? Kyle Krieger here from the LED Project Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. Um, as the year winds down, we're just so incredibly grateful um, for what the podcast has become this year and, and how we've grown and how we've developed, and we want to thank you for that. But if this is your first time here, the LED Project Podcast brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development um, is simply a place where we shine a positive light on education and everything that's going on, whether we're uh, interviewing teachers, primarily that's what we do. We interview teachers to tell their stories and, and add value to the craft, but we also want to bring on some of the other things that are on the periphery of education that we think are making a huge difference, and, and that's what this episode is with, with Brian Skabnak. Um, I, I think many of you are probably familiar with the Be the Nice Kid movement, and it just so happens that Brian is the creator of it, but he is also married to my girlfriend's cousin, so it was just kind of a, a, a kind of a serendipitous set of events that brought us together. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I'm sorry for the background noise. We met in a Starbucks, but if you can put up with it, we think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Um, I'm currently sitting in a Starbucks on Black Friday with uh, Brian Skabnak. Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is... My girlfriend is cousins with your wife. That's the connection, yep. right? That is the connection, yeah. So and somehow we're not related, but we're... But, yeah. but we, we were connected. <laughs> yep. So um, for for those people that may not know you, could you kind of just describe uh, who you are and why it is I wanted you to, to be on the podcast with I us? am uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I'm a golf pro. And I'm a guy who did the Be the Nice Kid stuff. So that quote that's kind of been floating around Instagram and Facebook and stuff for the last year or so that was me i wrote that and what most people don't know is i wrote that like seven years ago um and that's how it all started it was uh kind of be the nice kid was just something that was implanted in me i guess since i was young and it's just the way i grew up where my parents taught me and it was just kind of what i went you know i was never the greatest basketball player or the smartest kid but i tried to be nice to people and my parents taught me that but seven years ago when i wrote this thing that's when my mom died and it kind of triggered me and kind of kicked me in the butt and so I, I started writing some people get destructive when people die close to them and yeah. I did the opposite I just kind of I poured everything out in paper and wrote and typed and just wrote stories and a couple months later I wrote this be the nice kid story and all it was was a, a letter back to my golf students uh, that just said hey you know you're going back to school now some things you're gonna like some things you're not gonna like some things are awesome some teachers are great some aren't some whatever you yeah, just kind of laid it out to them and in that, I just said, but through everything, just be the nice kid. Just try to do that. Try to be the nice kid. And I just kind of kept reiterating it over and over again. And somehow it stuck. And just kind of people started sharing a little more. And then it would be quiet for a year. And then people shared a little bit more. And then last year, that's when it just exploded. You name a country, and I've heard from them. So <laughs> really, it's crazy. Really? So so there was, never an, there was never an intention to set out to, like, create a movement. No, it not at really, all. It was it was literally this little quote that's online now is a little part of this big letter. That's all it is. And it, I, I didn't try to write this specific thing. I just wrote stuff, and then I just sent it out. And literally, it was just a letter to the students. So I didn't think any part of it was that awesome. But this resonates with a lot of people, apparently. And and just so people are clear, what, what is the quote exactly that you're referring to? It's the some kids are smarter than you, some kids have cooler clothes than you, some kids are better at sports than you. Uh, but you have your thing too. Be the kid who's generous. Be the kid who does the right thing. Be the kid who's happy for other people. Be the kid who can 
get along, just be the nice kid. You know, it's I've seen it so many times that it's people kind of change a little bit, which is illegal because <laughs> it's copyrighted. But there's different versions of it, and there's right. the the one that I wrote was this original one that um, just it basically the whole premise is that there's always people that are gonna you know show you up and they're going to do a little better than you and you're not always going to be the best one at every single thing you try to do and that's it's no big deal if you're not because you have your thing that you're good at too whether you're the best at it or not you're still good at it but through everything no matter if you're good or bad or whatever you can still be nice you can still be kind to people and you can still be accepting of other people and include other people that's kind of the whole point I wrote that so, so what from from its origin seven years ago? What it, what has it become now? So, what are you doing? Because I mean, I, I think we first connected probably a couple months ago, and you've been so busy yeah. that it's you know it, it's now the end of November. We're finally getting a chance to sit down. Yeah. So it's about it's probably a year ago actually now that some people just started saying, "Hey, can you you know can I make a poster of your print of your quote?" I'm like, sure. And then I started thinking, well, maybe I should just make the poster. So I just started making posters of this quote. And I put it online, and people started snatching them up. I'm like, oh, okay. And then somebody said, hey, make a T-shirt. I'm like, okay, I'll just make a T-shirt. And people started snatching those up. And then previous to that, some schools started saying, hey, can you come to my school and, and talk? You know, give, give, a, give a speech, give a presentation, do an assembly. You know, we don't care about golf stuff. Don't talk about golf stuff, but talk about be the nice kid stuff. I'm like, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> like, this is it's, common sense to me, but right. they're like, well, just, you know, what, what do you do? I want to tell me your stories that you write. Because I've been writing... Every Tuesday, I send out a story to people. Ever since my mom died, every Tuesday, it's some story, some story. Sometimes I repeat it, but it's just some story of something that happened to me or a friend of mine or something in my golf classes or whatever it is. And what's the life lesson in that story? So when I go to schools now, and I go to schools every week, I travel somewhere now, um, I just tell stories. And I tell stories that the kids can resonate with, that they'll start to understand, and they hopefully they understand the lesson in it. There's some that are a little bit trickier than others, but there's always some. I, I'm just a big believer that you can you can learn something from everything, whatever that thing is. There's always a lesson you can learn in it, whether you apply it or not. It's different, but it's, so I, I think you and I were kind of of, of a different generation, you know. Yeah. So as you're going into these schools, what do you notice? That, what are you noticing that the kids are lacking in terms of 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 just kind of having that you know these lessons that are common sense yeah. to you or common sense to me but but are still resonating with kids i think it's it's a kind of a common understanding of other kids it's they understand that kids are different they're just great to be different but i don't think they know how to connect with that and so i teach a lot about connections finding the connection instead of finding the difference because finding the difference is similar right. But if right. you can find a connection with someone, whatever that connection is, maybe right. it's you, you have the same amount of siblings, or you're both the oldest child, or you both love tacos, or whatever it is, you find that connection somehow. Um, and I don't know, lacking, I don't know if they're lacking that so much, as in they just don't know how to do it. They just don't know how to connect with other kids, right. because I think it's, society-wise now, it's the best is the winner, and everybody else is the loser. And I'm not a fan of that. It's, right. I think, even in golf... I don't keep scoring golf because I don't care. I just want to go and hang out with my friends and play and have fun. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think it's there's so much such of a, a winning attitude now that people put more emphasis on. I guess mm -hmm. that in my mind, I don't think it, I don't think it happened that much when we were younger. 
You know, it's yeah. obviously you wanted to win a game and win a tournament right. and have fun, yeah. you know, play that game to try to do your best. But no, it's every sport is year round. And, right. You know, there's right. specialization, which is killing kids because right. you know, for other reasons. But it's just well, you know, you know, the, uh, on that, you know, we kind of dressed off a little bit of sports. Like, mm-hmm. there was a study, and I can't remember where it was out of, like the ins the instance of kids with major like reconstructive knee and shoulders young yeah. young like in their teens is on the rise in it and it hasn't been until you know the last I mean cuz I I grew up you know played baseball every summer baseball and golf every summer put um, I ran cross country in high school played basketball so I was doing stuff here Exactly every now, season you did something different it's the same thing So so when when you're teaching kids about connection like how what are some of the concrete examples that you give them of connection? Because I think, you know, that connection is not just lacking between kids. Like what we do, it's really lacking between teachers and kids as yeah. well. Yeah. One, one of the actual activities we do um, when I'm at school is I break them up into groups of two or three or four. And the more kids you do with, the harder. But I literally have them find a connection within their three or four kids. Like what's your connection? What do you all have in common? Like, I've been to Disney World. Oh, I haven't been to Disney World. Okay, fine. That's not a connection. Um, I've been out of state. Oh, I haven't been out of state yet. Nope. Um, I like green beans. Oh, I love green beans. Oh, I like green beans, too. Okay, all four of us like green beans. So it's it's, it's something very small, but it's something to start getting the kids to realize that they're not in this alone. There's other people that are like them. Whether they look different than them or they think they're different than them, there's really a lot of common bonds here that we have. And it's teaching that kid that, that like you said, teaching the adults that too. Right. You know, I got I got the example from my, my wife. Um, she's got a job as a nurse at a new school. Um, and they had this little bingo card. And all they had to do was go around to all the other teachers because she was new to the school. So she had to go around to the teachers and figure out, you know, who has been to Florida. Right. You know, who likes green beans? Who like whatever that is. And then they check them off and you get to learn more about people that way. Right. So... You know, on that, you know, ma- after making the initial connection, whether you're a kid, how do you then, you know, coach or teach the kids on, on how to really sustain it? Because it's great, you know, we, yeah. you and I are connected. We, we both have a love of golf, but, I mean, that that doesn't necessarily breed, like, a, 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 a meaningful relationship. Right. So how do, how do you help the kids take it, you know, the next step? I think, I think vulnerability is the key to everything. Right. I think the more you, you don't have to spill everything about your life to right. someone, but the more you realize that, you know, I don't, you play a game together and you lose, fine, you lose, you don't flip right. out and freak out. Right. Um, but once you're vulnerable and you're, and you're willing to, to kind of explore kind of your own psyche, I guess, and that's different for kids, but the, the moment you realize that I don't have to be the best at this thing, I can just play to play. And I think games are a huge thing for kids. I was, I always get kids you know, to play games. That's, it, and it's so funny to me because I hadn't thought of it, but like, I mean, with the exception of maybe like when I was playing varsity golf or I was playing varsity basketball, I wasn't like that much like play to play to win. Right. Like when I, you're playing varsity sports, you want to win. You want to win, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think in my 30s, I'm coming back to, uh, you know, that understanding of just playing for fun and like. I was a good I was a good player back in the day. I'm still a pretty good player. And I still catch myself though. I mean I played two or three times a week. Play golf. 
And I still catch myself thinking that I'm the guy that was playing six or seven yeah. times a week and putting in all the work and practicing and doing all those things. And I have to catch myself and remind myself what it's, you know, what it's about. And, yeah. and, and those, you know, the connections. Because like you said, I, I, I used to be able to just play golf by myself, just like go in, do a zone, and just go out oh, and I was play. Way, yep. But now, I don't, it's not fun. No, you're right. Yeah, I like, want to play with someone yeah, else now. You know, like, I think this summer I played... I played with my dad and his guys a bunch. Played a ton. With, overwhelmingly played more, with my dad more than anyone. But otherwise, then I play with my high school buddies. I play with my mom. I play with my sister, and it's it's such a great time. And the fight, you know, with my girlfriend Brittany, and she just is adamant she's not going to play because she doesn't want to be. She doesn't want to be bad. And hopefully, she won't listen. To you this. don't have to. That's the thing. You don't have to be bad. But she, but she doesn't have that mentality. Yeah. And, and I think. Do you see that our kids are? I mean, how is it? How is it that our kids have gotten this way that there's this just winners, winners, and it's winners totally our fault. <laughs> and I don't know, it why, is, I, don't, I don't know why we started. Well, everything's structured now. Think of it that way. You know, every league that we're in, or every, all the kids are in, everything's structured by the parents. And you have to have practice this day, and now practice is three days a week instead of one day a week. Or it's, you know, the season is six months instead of three months. Um, everything is coordinated that way. And all the kids want to do is play. The kids don't get the, the reason kids don't go outside and play anymore is because they don't have time to go outside and play anymore. If they just if we just say, hey, go outside and goof around and play for a while, they're going to make up their own games. They're going to create their own boundaries. They're going to solve their own problems. That's part of it. And, and they have to learn that skill. And I think we take that skill away from them by structuring them so much. You know, and I, and I remember, and, and maybe my memory is so faded. I mean, because this is going on 30 years, but. When I first started playing, I think the first sport I really started playing, like young, was probably baseball. Yeah, I think I'm like or, organized organized sport, and then basketball was shortly thereafter. But I remember like the majority of what we did was playing games. Like we might have like one baseball practice a week yep. and three games. Yeah, exactly. And we just played and we had fun and, and we did that. But how do you? How do you see that manifesting when you're going into schools? Like, I mean, we, we know that scores are being kept, you know, in terms of grades and test scores and those things, but are there other ways you see that impacting schools? I've seen a lot more, at least the schools I've been to lately, I've seen a lot more to teach character education. And so it's not necessarily graded or judged or, or monitored, but it's... We're going to take a half hour out of the day and we're going to talk about kindness. We're going to take a half hour of the day and talk about compassion. We're going to take a half hour of the day. And I think it's cool that way because the kids get a different look. I'm a big believer that kids need to hear from all sides. They hear it from home. They got to hear it from teachers. They got to hear it from caring adults, whatever that is. That if they hear these things multiple different ways from different people, then they're going to start to understand it. But like you said, school, this test score is going to rule all right now. Yeah. And it, it's harder to. It's harder to get that, but it's it's fun seeing the teachers that actually take that time to actually teach those right. things now. And I've seen a lot more than it happened, you know, four or five years ago. So th- this year especially, where where have your travels taken you? I uh, started off the year in Kansas. I was in Topeka. Um, I've been to Boston. I've been to Los Angeles. I've been to Anaheim. I've been to San Jose. Um, I'm going to Mississippi next week, Hattiesburg. Um, I'm going back to Boston actually again. Um, I'm hoping to go to Australia next year. I have uh, a lot of schools there, but I, I, have a, I have a Google map at home of schools that contact me. I hear from schools every day, 
and I just try to plan it out. Try to get the best where I can actually hit the schools in a two or three or four. That's the best way I can I can do it. So, I guess my question would be: Are kids in Anaheim going through the same thing that kids are going through in Boston versus kids are going through here in the Twin Cities? And because I know you were in Wisconsin yeah. recently, I mean, are kids pretty much experiencing the same thing? From what I've seen, yeah, it's it, it might be a little different way of experiencing it but it's a lot of inclusion issues you know kids just don't feel included they don't feel like they belong and once once you once you help a kid feel like they belong the sky's the limit for them right? it's the coolest thing ever um i don't like the word bullying but there's you know there's kids that are meaner than other kids and there's kids that have to show their power to other kids um and that happens at all schools that i've seen um yeah, so I, I'd say, yeah, the, the, the connection there is, yeah, kids are going through the same thing everywhere. I think they need to hear it from, from people that care about them. Right, and do you do you see teachers going through kind of the same thing everywhere? I mean, because that's, that's just the thing. You know, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, primarily, you know, all-white school, you know, small-town Wisconsin, went to Winona State, primarily white you know I didn't have a very diverse experience you know and then I moved to Houston you know, teaching in urban Houston and it's a completely different world and you know I thought that looking back on my schooling versus what I was where I was teaching I thought it was two sides but yeah. now I can look back and I can look forward because I taught in enrichment last year and see that although those kids are facing different life circumstances mm-hmm. academically educationally and schooling they're facing the same thing and that just blew it, it just blew my mind like you said it's just to different degrees that which right. kids are are going through this stuff and yeah it's just it's all it's such a kids need such more emotional and mental help now than maybe we realized a while ago that it doesn't, you know, the background where they come from, that matters. It, oh it matters. Goodness. It matters who they matters who their friends are. It matters who they hang out with. It matters kind of where they were born. It matters where they live. But at the same time, some are, you know, deeply held beliefs that that they can't get out of this thing. But in each school that I've been to, it's you know, there is that that shining star in the school. There is the the kid that you know what they all grew up together, but this kid is above the other kids as far as confidence and composure and uh, emotional well-being. And so it's, you'll always find those at different schools, at least I have so far. Um, but kids just, they just go through the same thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's good in that I can deliver the same message at each school. It's sometimes hard that you have to get a little bit deeper with some of them because they've been through more trauma than I've been through yeah. or than other schools I've seen. So it's... Um, I'm trying to think of how that... Do you think it's that these kids are facing more of the mental and emotional challenges, or do you think it's that in the past we just haven't been that good at recognizing symptoms and, and, and doing those things? Do you think these kids are going through more or do you think it's just kind of that we we now understand I, I think I think it's both I think they have a lot more pressure than we did when we were kids 
we just didn't we weren't put in as much there wasn't uh you know ac obviously academics were important but it wasn't you know this level of testing and this type of class and this ap class and this it, it we didn't have as much of that i think as they do now and somewhere along the line and i'm not sure where or when it switched from this kind of society of winners and society of May, if you're not smart, if you're not rich, you're bad, and and I don't I don't believe that, right. <laughs> and it's it's something that has been taught for a while now. I think that's it's I see it flipping a little bit back, um, and seeing people understand that like you know it's not all about the money, it's not all about how smart I am, it's not about you know if I got my master's degree or if I just graduated from high school, it, it doesn't matter. It's right. it's kind of the person you are too, and that's what I try to help teach. I mean, because, you know, in the world, I mean, in high school, I could have never comprehended that you and I could sit down and have like, a conversation. I'm just recording it on my computer yeah, exactly. and I can put it out and hopefully have an impact on right. people. So like you're saying, there's not as much, you know, there's not as many barriers to, to getting things out there. But, but coming back to what you originally said, that everybody, you don't have to be great at everything, right. but everybody can be great at something. So yeah. how do you... How are you working with kids and working with teachers to help? Because I think teachers need that just as much as kids. Oh, yeah. Of being able to say, like, hey, I'm not great at this, but this is a skill or whatever I have um, that they can share with their kids. Because I, yeah. I think, like you said, with vulnerability, the more a teacher is willing to share, I think the more willing a kid is to yeah, share. Yeah, the kids will kind of understand, like, oh, my teacher's not, you know, my teacher has faults, too. I think once they realize that, like, oh, my teacher's not perfect? Because I think they see the... You know the the hierarchy, I guess you could say. The kids look up to the teacher and think they're all knowing, and we're not. Oh goodness, no! Man, I know goodness. very little. <laughs> but I, I'll actually go around the class and I'll I'll look at every kid. I'm like, what are you good at? And most kids are like, I'm, I'm not I'm not good at anything. I'm, not, I'm like, you, there's something you're good at. And once one kid starts saying, Hey, I'm you know I'm pretty good at soccer. The next kid will go, I'm I'm really good at drawing. And some some kids say, Well, I'm I'm a good singer. And yeah. You start to realize the other kids in the class are like, oh, I didn't know this person drew. Or I didn't know this person right. sang. Right. And, well, I sing, right. too. And I always ask it. There's a, I went to a school in uh, southern Minnesota that I went around the room, a bunch of eighth graders. I said, what are you good at? And we went around. And one girl goes, I'm good at singing. And every time someone says, I'm good at singing, I said, do you want to sing in front of the class? And every single person says, nope, no, nope, no way. I'm not singing in front of the class. And this girl goes, sure, I'll do it. And I'm like, really? She said, yeah. I'll do it. She got in front of the class and just started belting. And the kids in the back of the class were like, holy cow, this girl's good. And I don't think they ever would have realized it unless this girl was brave enough to actually do this and show other people this thing she's good at. So I, I think everybody's good at something. You have to be good at something. I know you're good at something. Whether you admit to yourself you are or not, you are. You're not, you might not be you know, LeBron or Michael Jordan, but you are good at something. Oh. How, how often do you work with with schools in the you know that are in the underprivileged areas? I would say about nearly half of the schools I guess I go to. Um, third of the schools that I go to are, are underprivileged. Title One um, just need more support, don't have the funding. So when you when you ask that question to kids, what uh, what are you good at? Do you get different responses? Because I you know. And, and this coming back to our experiences, like, 
I grew up stable. I still have the same parents. Yep. Been married 40 years. I've got two really great siblings. I have a, a great family, and that's for. I didn't realize that there are kids who are the oldest of six who are basically parenting that right. Yeah. So, do you notice those kids especially saying things that are different, like going into those things like, hey, I'm great at taking Take care, care of my of little brother. Kid, yeah. Stuff um, like that. A little bit, I wouldn't say a ton, um, but there are different responses for sure. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm good at listening to my mom when she's angry. I'm good at, I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm good at, like you said, taking care of my little brother. Um, I'm good at going to the grocery store. We have food for our family. Uh, and most kids are like, I'm, I'm good at basketball. You know, it's, it's little things, but some kids aren't willing to share those things either in front of everyone else. But again, back to the vulnerability, once they do, they start to open up a little more. They start to understand, you know what, there's actually someone else in my class in the same situation as me. So so on that, you know, you, were, you gave the example earlier about, say, you know, with a group of kids, all four of us like green beans. Yeah, and that's a great it's a great starter connection. But how do you how do you help kids move from that starter connection to a more meaningful connection? Like we're talking about, yep. whether you know they're shared. I mean, because you know whether you're here in the greater Twin Cities or you're in Boston or L.A. or wherever, the kids that go to a school are probably primarily going to have a lot of the same experience right. in terms of their living situation. Yep. So how do you? How do you help them? Because I, I think, like you said, so many kids are feeling isolated. How do you how do you help them just get to a point where where they understand that they, their their experience isn't isn't different than yeah, a, yeah they yeah. they're, they're yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the next question I follow up with is usually, "What are you scared of?" Ooh. And it's sometimes at surface level, I'm scared of spiders. I'm scared of, and they'll, they'll go through it. And every once in a while, someone will say, "I'm." I'm I remember a seventh grade kid stood up once that I'm scared of looking weak in front of other people. I'm like, wow, dude, that takes that takes strength just for saying that. And then it kind of opened up, and someone else goes, yeah, I'm kind of scared of being embarrassed too, so I don't try things. And someone else would chime in and go, I'm kind of like you. I don't I don't like trying stuff. I'm kind of shy because I don't want people to see how bad I am at this one thing. And it, it goes from there. It's harder in a bigger group, you know, when, when right, I ask that. Right, but if, right, if right. I bring them into two or three or four kids. Just, I said, just talk about what you're scared of. And that's how I start off a lot of my presentations. I talk about a roller coaster story about fear and my daughter. And I'm not going to spoil it right now, but it's a pretty good story. Right. And so we just talk about these fears. What are you scared of? It's I'm scared of weak, weakness. I'm scared of embarrassing. I'm scared of you know, doing this thing because I know this person's going to make fun of me. Or I'm scared of wearing this even though I like it because someone else is going to tease me because of it. And so it, once those fears start happening, we talk about those a lot. And again, the kids realize, well, you're scared of that too? Well, I'm scared of that thing too. And that's when it gets a little bit deeper. Because it's, it's not going to go from green beans to my mom died like that. Yeah, it's yeah, going to go yeah. from green beans to something, to something, to something. And yeah. then you're going to talk about, well, you know, I really shut down after this happened. Or I really feel bad when these things right. happen. So it takes a little while that way. Um, the cool thing is I follow up with schools too. Right. So I check in with them. And some schools I'll actually go back to. Right. Just kind of see how things are going. Right. Just kind of see. So I'll... You know, it's it's tougher to see kind of the results. I'm a believer that hopefully down the road these things will actually help them, um, right. especially when I hear back from teachers, which is kind of fun too. Right. So you know, talking about the you know defining winning and losing and being good or bad, how do you how do you think that's impacting like you said kids' willingness to try things? 
I don't think they've tried anymore. <laughs> if if they're not good at it, they won't. Say, look at golf. I mean, right. people aren't. Golf is a tough sport to play. You know, there's a lot of barriers to entry. But once you get into it, you realize there's much more than just hitting a little white ball around. There's conversations and there's things you can you know talk about on the course. You're spending a lot of time with people. That's why Top Golf does it so well. Is that most people there don't golf. Half the people that go into Top Golf don't golf. They go in because they want a social thing. They want to go get a drink. They want to get some good food. They want to hang out with their friends. Whatever it is. Um, and I think that kids have this mentality, at least they did maybe 10 years ago, especially. That's where kind of when I saw it starting, that everything has to be winning. And once you teach them, it's, you know, here's the other things about winning. These are the things that you can, you can learn from it. I have kids in my golf classes that will come to my golf class in the summer that don't golf. I'm like, boy, how many times are you going to play this year? I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't play golf. I just go to your class. I'm like, why? Why do you just go to my class? Because my friends are here and I have fun. And we get to play a bunch of games. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And that's when I started shifting all my stuff, too. It's just that I just play a bunch of games with them. Make sure the kids have fun with it. Right. Because if they don't, they're not going to like it anyway. And they're not going to learn it. And that's and that's the thing, too. I, I didn't grow up. I mean, I practiced golf growing up. Mm-hmm. But I grew up playing. Yeah. I, same I, grew, way. I, I grew up playing. And that was the same thing with basketball. Like, you know, we practiced, but, you know, we played three-on-threes in the summer, and uh-huh. we played summer league, and we were doing those things, and it yeah. just... You didn't have camp after camp and drill after yeah. drill, and yeah. we just goofed around. And I still hate going to the driving range. <laughs> I hate practicing. Yeah, I'd rather go putt for a while and then go play. Yeah, you know, and that's and, and that's the thing with it, too. So, so kind of circling it back around. So, you know, say we're, say we're 10 years down the road. What do you hope the nice kid is doing in schools and for kids? I hope it's just kind of a general motto. I hope it's some one of those things that people look at it and go, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Just be the nice kid. Just, it's okay to fail and screw up and mess up and be wrong, but I can still be nice to people because of it. I can still let other people be happy. You know, I don't have to drag them down. I don't have to tease them about certain things. Do you, do you think it's more important now that all the news is out there for them all the time. Because I remember growing up, the only news I really got was what we would watch. You know, my dad would watch the 6 o'clock news during dinner, and he would read the newspaper. Yep. I had such a small snippet of what was going on in the world. And you were always a day behind, because this thing wouldn't happen, and you read it the next day, like, oh, this happened yesterday? But but now, you know, we have, you know... it's an easy target, but, you know, our political system is very, very, like you said, very winterly. Yeah. Like, you're either with us or you're against us. And I, and I was, it was so crazy to me, like, you know, when, when the shootings, I was teaching at a, at a high school last year, and when the shootings in Florida happened, and kids wanted to be a part of those, you know, I wouldn't call them protests, but, like, just the things that they were doing to honor those people, right. there was huge backlash. Yeah huge backlash from people saying you can't take my second amendment right if, if you support this you're oh. and I was just like floored by the fact that it was so black and white yeah I don't, I don't think it has to be because people get along all the time that disagree about things right and that's the way you have to work <laughs> that's the way you have to compromise right. right so so with the work that you're doing with kids especially how how are you Showing them that that there is gray, that it's not black and white. Most of the stories I tell them are about personal experiences I've had, where 
I, one of the stories I tell them about is when I wasn't the nice kid. When I was when I was younger, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, there's some days I'm not the nice kid either. And here, let me tell you a story about this. And so I tell them that, and they kind of look at me like, you weren't the nice kid. I'm like, I know I wasn't the nice kid. And you know what? This happens. We all make mistakes. And who makes mistakes? And everybody raises their hand. And teachers raise their hand. And then the kids kind of look around like, wait, teachers make mistakes too? Yeah, we do. You know, and that's, and that's one of the things because I can look back. You know, in my personal life, I think my work, I was probably the, the, the least nice, probably like 20 to 23. Okay. That was my time frame where I was not that great of a guy. Yeah. And then, you know, you start learning how to, as a teacher, you're growing and you're learning, trying to do it. And I made, I made so many mistakes. It was so funny because I was back in Houston a couple, two weeks ago. And I drove by the area where my school used to be, and I just wish that I could have gone back. I could go back now to when I started, knowing everything knowing that I know. And it's still so blinding because my my partner in the podcast, who's still down in Houston, he he had a rough day a couple weeks ago, and the next day he went in and he apologized to his kids. He's mm-hmm. like, I I didn't I didn't handle myself the way they yeah. that I should have. And a bunch of his kids came up and said, I've never heard a teacher apologize. Yeah. And I think it's huge because then they realize that, hey, this is a normal person too. This is my teacher, but you know what? They're going through stuff just like everybody else is going through stuff. Right. And I think I think that's just the thing. If you can just help kids bridge that gap because I think the winning and losing to me is just like it makes it makes us think we're so different. Yeah. It's and not it, at all. It's even the teacher students. It's not, it's not an us against them thing. Right. It's, we're, right. We're here to help. And they're here Gosh, to help us too. That's such a good point. How and, and those are the mistakes that I really regret from my teaching when I was adversarial toward a kid. Right. And I was, and, and I've talked about this a bunch with my partner and with other people, like, I could tell the times, those are the times I felt worst about myself as a person. Oh, for sure. Or the times that I was the meanest or the worst. You know, and like you said, we still all have those moments. We, we, and, yeah, we, we're emotional you know, and we do things we shouldn't do and say things we shouldn't say, but... Hopefully, it's less and less now than it was when I was 25 and 20 and 15 and 10. Oh, goodness. That's the goal. It's just, yeah. the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to be right. just grow, be better. So, oh, man. Gosh, we could sit here and talk all day, but I know you, I know you got a, you're on a, you're on a short time. I got a kid's birthday on. party to go to today. Oh, man. My kids. Where's, where's the birthday party uh, at? At our house. Oh, so, nice. yeah, we're hosting. So, we did Thanksgiving yesterday and we got kids' oh, birthday today. Gosh, that's the best. Yeah, so, a lot of leftover pie. <laughs> <laughs> so people want to connect with you, check your stuff out, yep. talk to you about speaking. Where, where can they find you? Be the nice kid.com is my site. Uh, be the nice kid on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, Brian Scavendag dash be the nice kid on Facebook. That's where a lot of my stories happen. So if you're looking for stories or inspiration, just look at one of those and I'll send you some stuff. Awesome, man. Well, thanks yeah. so much for taking the time. Hey, I'm glad it. we finally got to connect. Yeah, no kidding. That's fun. We definitely want to. We'll definitely have to connect through the spring and get out and play a little bit this summer. So cool. Thanks, guys.